Welcome to Beaks and Geeks. I'm Amy. Today on the show is Chanel Cleeton, author of Next Year in Havana. The book follows Mary Soule, a woman who was raised on her grandmother's story about Cuba before the revolution. When she visits Havana for the first time to scatter her grandmother's ashes, she discovers much more about her family history and comes to know a much more nuanced Cuba. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. Um, So was this book your first foray into historical fiction? It was, yes. Um, I had written romance before, and this one was my first historical fiction, women's fiction novel. Yeah. So was that a really different approach than writing your um, contemporary romance stuff? In a way it was. I think the scope of the novel is obviously uh, much larger, just the time period that you're dealing with and dealing with the dual narratives. But also I think there were a lot of similarities as well. You know, it really basically touched on the same human emotions of family and love that I dealt with in some of my romance novels. So it was nice to always have that to go back to when I was working on the book and would get a little bit stuck to kind of have that familiarity of of dealing with the, the emotion at the heart of the story, really. This book seems like it's really personal to you, um, and I sort of read that you had a similar experience with your grandmother, who was from Cuba and would talk to you about about her home, uh, and then I guess she passed away not too long ago? Yes, about 10 years ago. Okay, and um, so was this book helpful to you in feeling close to her? It definitely was. There were a lot of times when I was going through some of her old stories and working in the historical timeline that I really felt like I was bringing her back to life. Um, I grew up on her stories, kind of like Marisol does in the book. And so I really had that as a touch point, I guess, throughout my writing to kind of go back to and to be able to look through her old photos. And I have a lot of her jewelry and stuff. So it was definitely a very personal connection for me. Uh, my grandmother was also cremated, and we've been waiting to take her ashes back to Cuba. So that part of the story was definitely inspired by my family and really had kind of a special meaning for me. Did you interview your family members to talk about your grandma and kind of get more context? I did a bit. Um, My grandparents actually lived with us, so they really were like second parents to me. So I had a really close relationship. I'm an only child, only grandchild. So that was always definitely something that I knew her really well and had that access while she was alive. But when I was working on the book, I was really fortunate to be able to talk to family members and to kind of get, you know, a check on some things. My grandfather is going to be 95 and he's still with us. And so he was a great resource for his memories of living through the revolution. Yeah. Do they have a romantic getting together story? Um, Honestly, not really. And I always try to get more. They're kind of closed lipped about it. So I feel like there's more of a story there than what I've been told. Um, But yeah, the kind of the crazy thing with my grandparents is that my grandmother was actually pregnant during the revolution and working on the book, you know, I just had such a sense of awe and respect for her for how difficult that must have been. She was older and it was later in life and it was her first pregnancy and to be in a country going through revolution, you know, it just must have been a very scary time, but she just handled it kind of with grace. So, yeah. Was there anything that you learned about your family's experience that really surprised you that you didn't know from just sort of growing up? Well, the genesis for the book actually came from a story that I'd never heard. Um, And my dad told me in the summer of 2016, and it was the story of one of the nights before they left Cuba in 1967. Everybody went over in the middle of the night to the backyard of my grandparents' home, and they buried all of their valuables because they didn't know, you know, when they were going to return, and they weren't able to take things with them when they left the country. And I'd actually never heard that story. It was kind of ironic out of all the family stories I'd heard about Cuba that one I hadn't. And as soon as they told me the story, that was when you know the idea for the novel was born. And I think to, through my research, too, I just learned a lot about 
pretty much the violence and how brutal it really was. Uh, my grandparents, I don't know because of my age or just the virtue of memory, they kind of romanticized the events a little bit. Um, you know, I was always told that Cuba was wonderful before the revolution. It was sort of this idyllic place. And through my research, I really saw how many years of violence they had leading up to Castro taking power and also just how bad it was um, during the actual, you know, m part months when he had just come into power and was kind of cleansing from the first regime. You have a background in international relations, but was Cuba your focus or did you know much about it before? I, it wasn't. So my focus is actually in the Middle East. Uh, so Cuba was a bit of a departure for me on the academic side, but it was really useful having that background when I was doing my research and working on the novel. It was one of those things where I always had a personal interest in it. And my grandfather is sort of an amateur historian when it comes to Cuban history. He has a really impressive library of books on Cuba, and he draws street maps of Havana from memory. He's Whoa. really passionate about it. Um, so having that growing up was always very useful, and it gave me a really good foundation when I started working on the book to know where to start and where to go to look for more information. Yeah. Has your grandfather read the book yet? He's read parts. Um, my grandfather mainly speaks Spanish, so my dad kind of read him and translated and got his you know insight on certain scenes. But with the language thing, he doesn't really read too much in English. Yeah. That's cool that he can kind of get it through your dad, too. That's kind of a nice yes. filter. Yes. Yeah, it was, it was kind of fun, the three of us, you know, working on it in that way, just being able to talk and, and get their insight yeah. before I finish the book. Yeah. So. Also, you know, who wants to sh have your grandpa read the, like, love scenes? Like, that's also... <laughs> well, and I always joke that this is the first this is the first book that my dad can actually show him because my dad <laughs> hides my other books, like, in his drawers because oh my, my grandfather lives with him and my grandfather's, <laughs> like, not, you know, wanting to see my romance novels. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, okay, good. I have one that I could show him that, you know, is, is appropriate. And, yeah. <laughs> but so when you were researching... Can you walk me through what you did and what you learned that you didn't know before or what really made a big impact on you? I think my journey researching really kind of mirrored uh, Marisol's in the story. And it really fleshed out that way where I started kind of at the same point she did, where I had the family background. Um, it was told to me mainly as a child. So obviously there were some things they weren't going to talk about just because of you know my age and how difficult some of the subjects were. And so I really did kind of go into it um, with a very cursory knowledge, I would say, of the situation. And then once I started delving deeper, for example, I didn't really realize about the trials that they had in the sports stadium in Havana. And that was really eye-opening to me to imagine, you know, what it must have been like to live through that. So things like that were really useful. Also, like I mentioned before, the violence um, during Bautista's uh, presidency, I didn't, you know, really get too much of that. My grandparents didn't go into that a lot with me. So it was kind of interesting to see how long... Cuba had been in political turmoil, and it gave me certainly a newfound respect for all that they had lived through and, you know, just how tumultuous that time period really was. I mean, that was basically their whole lives. They were in some kind of conflict or another, and, and I really can't imagine how difficult that must have been to forge a life when you have so much uncertainty on just a very fundamental level around you. And you deal with some very, very complicated issues with a lot of nuance how did you choose to tread the line? Because there's a lot of people whose worlds are clashing in the mm -hmm. book. Um, that's a very difficult yes. balance to strike. I think for me, the biggest thing was I had to look at, first off, the perspective that I was writing from. And I knew that no matter what, 
the dominant narrative was always going to be a narrative of coming from a position of exile, just because that was such a huge part of my upbringing. I mean, my grandparents, like in the book, they really, on a daily basis, waited to go home to Cuba. You know, it's obviously been almost 60 years that they've been in the United States, and they've certainly built a life here and are very happy here. But that was always kind of the expectation that one day this would all end and they would be able to go home and things would be like they were before. And so for me, having grown up with that, I knew that that was the position that my heroines were certainly going to be coming from and and the point of view that I felt most comfortable writing from. That said, it was really, really important to me that I give kind of a balanced narrative and that I look a little bit more deeply into the motivations of the characters on the other side. Because I think for a lot of us that come from the exile experience, there's been a huge... um, There's a lot of animosity, obviously, and a lot of anger towards Castro. And I love that quote, and I always forget who said it, about how every villain is a hero in their own story. And so I wanted to look at the motivations of of the other side and to kind of understand how they got to the point that they did. And that's where introducing um, Pablo was really useful for me, because he was someone that I saw as a good man who had passionate ideas about Cuba, obviously before Castro came into power, You know, you had a very difficult, complex political situation. There were a lot of people that were suffering in the country. Bautista was a dictator. And so you had someone that grew up in that time period and saw a different way of things. And that was important to me to portray, and having that character really did that. Um, And it was also useful because a lot of the research I did, I listened to some documentaries from men who were involved with the 26th of July movement. And what was so fascinating was a lot of them um, looking back on their lives really talked about how the conception that they had um, of what Cuba was going to be actually changed, and and they certainly didn't anticipate things going the way that it did. It just sort of ended up that way, and they certainly had regret kind of looking back. You mentioned Pablo, who's the love interest in the 50s. Yes. Um, And then Mary Sol, when she's visiting Cuba, finds her own love interest. And there are two parallel romances happening at once for the reader. How do you think that they're different? And how do you think they're similar? I think the similarities are obviously the ones that kind of jumped out at me the most. Um, And I didn't necessarily intend for them to be so similar. It just happened as I was drafting that a lot of the parallels flushed out. They're both passionate men who are patriotic and have a vision for their country and aren't happy with the status quo and are fighting for change. Um, Obviously, the differences between them are the way that they're going about it. You know, you see with uh, Pablo, he's much more open to political violence. He's involved in an armed movement. With Luis, you have someone who believes in the power of words. He believes a lot more in the power of uh, laws and working within this, not necessarily within the system, but challenging the system on a legislative level. And I think a lot of that comes from growing up in a country where you saw how much day-to-day things were important and you saw how much the practicalities of revolution really affected the daily lives of citizens. I think that he's perhaps by virtue of his life experiences a bit more pragmatic than uh, Pablo is. I think Pablo is much more of a dreamer. You kind of see the idealism um, in some of his conversations with Elisa and he's certainly someone who is willing to take action But I think a lot of his ideals um, come from more of an academic level, whereas Luis is much more concerned with what can we do to make our daily lives better. Yeah. Um, And I think we've kind of talked about the the rough and the heavy parts of the book, but it's actually super fun to read, too. It's really romantic and really, really engaging. Um, Was there one part that was especially fun to write? 
I think a lot of just the tourist scenes in Marisol's perspective were so much fun because I really felt like I got to go um, with her through Cuba. And I loved kind of taking that tour of Havana, going to Varadero. It was it was really fun getting to work on those scenes. And I wanted readers to really get an escape when they read this book. I wanted them to feel like they were in Cuba, they were eating the food, listening to the music, walking along the Malecon. And so that was really kind of one of my goals as well with the book, was not just to have it be about the politics, but also about the beauty of the country and its people and the culture. Um it's funny you mentioned the music because I was on your website. You have a an amazing playlist for this book. Thank you. Can you tell me about some of the musicians on there? That was so much fun to work on. Um, so like I mentioned, my grandparents lived with us. So it was pretty much Cuban music all the time. Celia Cruz, Buena Vista Social Club. Uh, Buena Vista Social Club has a really special place in my heart because I remember coming home from school and they would be listening to it on the record player. And it's just such passionate music and it kind of like fills a room when you listen to it and so it really always takes me back it's very nostalgic for me Uh, music is a huge part of my writing process it really helps me to get in the mood and feel like I'm in my setting and so I always do the playlist before I start drafting and then write to that music so it was really fun to get to to have that and then to be able to share it with my readers and to hear back you know that it made them think of a certain scene or that they've been listening to it you make a playlist before you even start writing the book? That's wild. I do, That's yes. So crazy. Yeah, I, for every single one of my books, I do Spotify playlists, oh. and it just kind of helps me feel like I'm in the in the mood when I start working on it. Um, I always like to ask people what they're reading now, or a book that they're like super, super into that they recommend to everybody. Yes. I Okay, so my like hug it to my chest favorite book that I always want to tell people about is Adaf Suif. She's an Egyptian author. It's called The Map of Love, and it was a Man Booker Prize finalist, I think, in the late 90s. And it's one of those books that I don't think got as much of a – it's not as well known in the U.S. as I think it should be because it's absolutely gorgeous. It's dual timeline, like next year in Havana, and it alternates. It's the same kind of thing where you have a family story, uh, but it's set in Egypt. And it alternates between Egypt at the beginning of the 20th century and Egypt going into the 21st century. And so it's just a really interesting period in Egypt's history. And her prose is absolutely stunning. And there's beautiful romances. And it's just really, really a gorgeous kind of book that takes you on an adventure. Oh, cool. Um, Well, I just want to thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. 